the um, interest in a monologue for 30 to 45 minutes is deviating. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's really, really easy to get bitter and to just try to preach against uh, technology and against fancy um, messages. But I would actually argue the opposite, that it's our role um, to keep up. Hi, and welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 152. I'm your host, Mike Neglia. So today's Thursday, which means that this is a bonus episode. Usually we have a podcast that comes out every single Tuesday, and this week was no exception, but here is a bonus episode just for you. So Andrew Sturkin is a student pastor at Calvary Port St. Lucie in Florida. Um, This was recorded... uh, I think exactly one year ago, back in February of 2020, uh, he and I were um, staying at the same house in Portland, Oregon, and we did a quick interview about what uh, senior pastors or lead pastors can and should learn from youth leaders and youth pastors. So if you are either a youth pastor or a lead pastor or could possibly be one of those in the future, this short conversation is definitely worth your while. All right, I hope that this episode and all that we do at the Expositors Collective helps you to grow in your personal study and public proclamation of God's Word. Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective podcast. I'm here with my new seminary buddy, Andrew Sturkin. How are you? Oh man, I'm doing great. Um, so where are we right now? We are in Gary Brashear's beautiful little basement. Wow. Portland would have done fine. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Portland's significant, but this is unreal. I think you wanted to get that in there, huh? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I sleep in a bed over there on that side of the room, mm-hmm. and then you sleep on, on this bed here. Well, we're recording. And, uh, and man, I, I got to say, when I look across the room and I see you in the first thing in the morning, um, you're all nestled in all your blankets. <laughs> you have a, like a hoodie on yes. and a beanie. Yes. Um, you seem like you're really cold here. Why is that? That's because I'm adjusting to this uh, terrible climate of anything north of Georgia, honestly. I'm from Florida, Port St. Lucie. Okay. And um, honestly, it's beautiful there. It's pristine, great humidity. And, and I'm just, I can't do it. I moved down there for the climate and I can't do it here, so. Well, cool. Well, so, so, so you moved there for the climate. What else did you move there for? Um, I got a, um, a call on yes. my life to serve at Calvary in Port St. Lucie. Praise God for his call. Yeah, man, no doubt. All the skeptical and beauty of that. No, it, it's great, the mystery of the call. And God brought me there, and um, my wife and I have been thriving there for about a year and a half. Um, I had some other ministry opportunities before that, um, but but we're killing it there, and, and God's moving. So okay, um, what is those? What's your ministry? What are you doing? I'm a student pastor. Okay, and so I work with our middle school and high school students, sixth through twelfth grade. Wonderful. So Andrew, I'm excited to talk to you on the podcast because we have a lot of youth pastor listeners, mm-hmm. and um, we just we love you guys. We respect you guys. We're glad you're doing what you're doing, and uh, you are the first youth pastor or youth minister uh, guest. So I really wanted to highlight you on behalf of all the other youth pastors. And then also have you like give some instructions or some advice for us. Love it. Love um, it. So quickly, like, when was your first sermon? So um, my youth pastor actually had a lot of um, impact in my life. And so he saw pretty early on that I was a leader and a communicator. And so um, he said, hey, do you want to try it like my junior year in high school? And yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm down. Let's go for it. Yeah. And it was absolutely awful. Okay. Like just like okay. the worst. <laughs> he picked a text for me in Matthew 3 and John the Baptist's message uh, to the Pharisees. Yeah. And... 
I remember even studying it and talking to our lead pastor saying, hey, so what's a, what's a broad of vipers? And he's like, well, bro, back up. First of all, it's, it's brood. Uh, a broad is a woman. And so, um, I mean, just learning how to exegete at all was difficult. Okay. Um, I was so passionate for Jesus, but very misguided. Yeah. And so um, I learned a lot. It didn't go super well. Um, I remember hearing feedback, though, that, hey, he's going to be able to communicate someday. Wonderful. Um, and so... It was just a manner of getting the right training. Um, I had a love for Jesus and a love for the scriptures pretty yeah. early on. I'm glad your youth pastor saw something in you and yeah. and and let you, to some degree, let you fail, yes. let, let you try and fail. And sounds like there's a, a good relationship that you had with the the lead pastor mm. that you could ask him for advice. That's right. Uh, yeah, you're you're set up for success. That's right. When you have not one but two like voices speaking into you and mm. giving you that kind of mentorship, even even if it's specific and limited, but there is that kind of coaching and guiding. Yeah, no doubt. So the next question is, how have you grown since then? Mm. Like, w- sorry, that was in your junior year. I actually don't know in how old school. you are. So I'm 29. Okay. Yep. Um, so I, I've done a lot of different education. I did Moody Bible Institute in Chicago and Spokane. Um, I worked as a camp director where I had a couple speaking engagements there. And so a lot of different audiences, a lot of different contexts. Um, I hope to say that I've gotten a lot better at communicating. Right. Um, I, I enjoy it. Um, and there's something about, I, I feel alive when I get to present um, the beauty of Christ in a message and, and to see lives literally transformed. That's a very beautiful thing for me. And so um, I've grown by having, I think, an appreciation for the text um, in its original context. And then I think even just authorial intent has been um, the most mind-blowing thing when, mm. when you read a scripture and and, or even you hear a sermon and you're like, whoa, this guy actually had an intent um, in the original audience. And to take that and apply it to today is a really powerful thing. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a few extra steps sometimes. It does. Because you aren't just saying, hey, look, this is verse six is what it means for you. You first have to back up and say, this is what it meant for the original hearers, right. which is slightly different than our circumstances. Mm-hmm. But here, step, step, step. Here's how it applies to us. That's right. And that's where creativity comes in mind. It's not super difficult to soup, to impose, not impose, but to, to bring in the text to today's audience. And students have every single um, challenge that you could have in any context, in any part of the yeah. world, I'd argue. Yeah. So. Well, here's a question kind of to deviate from the usual script. Um, I jokingly said this to you last night, but i um, going to ask it to you, you know, to somewhat for real. <laughs> Bring it on. All right. So what do you think us regular pastors or maybe us real pastors? <laughs> That's the truth. Come yeah. on. <laughs> Say what you mean. What do you think us, <laughs> us real pastors could learn from uh, youth pastors? Oh, man. I think I'm joking. Of course, you're a real pastor as well. Yeah, so. you, you can try to qualify for, for your audience. <laughs> I hear you loud and clear. No, man. I I think that too many. Um, I think that we have to first understand the audience of the student pastor. That it is a changing climate, and that um, so many students are now checking out um, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, um, Snapchat, TikTok, and the attention span is lowering, and the um, interest in a monologue for 30 to 45 minutes is deviating. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's really, really easy to get bitter and to just try to preach against uh, technology and against fancy um, messages. But I would actually argue the opposite, that it's our role um, to keep up and it's our role to keep people interested. And so I'm I'm not saying that you have to have all the fireworks. Um, I think it should be authentic, first of all, because any um, student can sniff through bullcrap all day long. It is not hard to, to hear when someone's trying to be hip or relevant, especially when they aren't naturally. 
Uh, but that being said, I do think that you should include humor and fun and make it engaging. Um, even, even just keeping in mind that there are times when if you're in a deep theological setting for more than five to ten minutes, you're going to have to pull up for air and tell a story. Hmm. And so just hmm. being mindful of that, being respectful of where they're at in their biology. Um, I'd also argue that too many pastors think of middle schoolers in the classical, they are immature, um, and so they just don't get it um, attitude. Of course they're immature. They're literally not mature adults. Hmm. And so I, I think that we can respect students for where they're at, and that communicates the love of Christ in a vibrant way. Um, so keep it fun, but keep it authentic at the same time. Wow. So let's say, imagine on this on this thought experiment. Imagine that I'm not cool. Mm. Okay. Okay. How? <laughs> this is hypothetical. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a thought experiment. Okay. Um, so what what should we like? What should I like? What would me looking like forcing coolness look like? Mm. Like how? Like what? Are, what are the ways that people like? aim for this alleged relevance, that aim yeah. for it and just kind of overreach and miss the mark. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've heard pastors try to talk about the nene when they have no idea what they're talking about. Sure. Or, or famous TikTok dances. Um, I would say that even wearing a snapback when it's not your style at all, okay. you, you just look silly. Okay. And students can smell that out. Hmm. Hmm. Um, so it's, it's inauthenticity and speech and dress. Um, just approach them with faithfulness, man. Uh-huh. I've had some leaders that are 45, 50 years old, and, and they're, they're cool. Like, they're not, like, just lamos, but but they uh, they engage with students. They show up every single week, and they are faithful. And those are the ones that have, in my opinion, the most profound impact on their souls. Okay. So faithfulness is on the top tier. Paramount. Coolness is on the bottom shelf. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think that there's a respect given after a while where they see that they're trying, and they say, hey, I'm going to meet you across the bridge here to have yeah. that relationship. yeah. Um, in my own youth group, um, the smallest youth groups are the ones that have had the most transition of adult leaders or the adult leaders that are most flaky. Um, I thought it was kind of like, a, oh, this is a, an interesting um, thing I was noticing. Yes. But then I'm realizing it's literally a trend based upon those leaders that are showing up every single week, um, texting them throughout the week, you know, that kind of thing. And wow. so it, it truly is all about relationship. Um, keeping in mind that students, their perspective is about a week out of what the future looks like. You and I can think in terms of six months, a year, right. five years. Yeah. They've got maybe a week at best, mm. um, especially younger grades, anything below a sophomore. And so being mindful of that, encouraging them in that fight. Um, the good days are the best days of their lives. The worst days, mm. you can't get any, you know, it's hopelessness. Yeah. And so um, being mindful of that audience um, and then not being afraid to talk to them. Like I know that they might, you know, put you at arm's length at first. But just going and reaching out and, and valuing them and asking them, so what did you think of the sermon? And prepare for honest feedback and um, find ways to, to relate. Wow, Andrew, thank you. Um, hey, so we have like a, a few minutes before we have to get in the car and drive to our last day of class. Mm-hmm. What is your sermon prep routine look yeah, like? Yeah. So Sunday's come in. What do you do? So I speak on Wednesday nights. Oh, sorry. So Wednesday's coming. Wednesday's coming. <laughs> um, no, it's great. And so what I try to do is um, every Thursday morning, I'll, I'll try to have an honest eval time where I'm looking at um, what did it look like? Was I communicating effectively? Was I consistent with the Word of God, et cetera? Um, and then Thursday afternoon, I, I start to open up where I'm headed and really review it, um, read through it three or four times with where I'm at. Now, I've already put my cards on the table outside of the podcast to those who are listening um, I, I recognize that um, with where I'm at in my youth group, with the leaders that I have and, and the capacity that I have, 
Um, and I'm trying to work on so many different areas. And to that student pastor who's in the same position as me, keep going, keep fighting, be faithful, because even though it's exhausting to have a million different areas, that your oversight with leader training and student leader development and teaching and preaching and um, just hanging out at Arby's milkshake, you mm-hmm. know, um, keep being faithful. And so what I've done is I'll go a, I purchase a curriculum. And so I'll do a topical curriculum month on, and then I'll teach through an exegetical passage for a month off. And so um, I'll map out that exegetical uh, passage a month in advance and kind of know where I'm headed. Um, but don't be afraid to buy that curriculum in order to have more relationship with your students, especially because there are professionals out there who are writing it um, and you can just pay for it. And um, I think you can talk to elders and pastors to see if that be possible. Okay. So. Um, yeah. You, thank you for, for saying that. First first guest who's ever talked about that. Interesting. So, um, so I'm not proud of it, yeah. but uh, I well, think it's helpful. Thank you for your honesty. What yeah. does the, what does the extra time? So essentially you're, you're, you're purchasing these outlines or these messages. Sure. Um, but what sounds like what else you're purchasing is you're purchasing time with kids. That's right. Yeah. That's absolutely right. And it, it's just going to springboard you to be a better student pastor in every other area. Okay. And so if, if the main thing is relationship and student development, um, I would argue that the Wednesday night is the culmination of the relationships you've built throughout the week. Mm. And I would argue if you're not doing those other things and the Wednesday night, it's going to be flat. You might get a couple of conversions or some, oh, thank you for that message. But is it really going to impact their souls? I, I would argue not. Well, I would argue that a conversion does impact a soul. Well, certainly. <laughs> okay. But... Certainly. But I'm saying you're going you're gonna to have the baby Christians, that very typical youth group that has a bunch of young Christians yeah. um, that aren't, aren't growing. And, and our most important measurable in our student ministry is the, uh, the number of students that are following Jesus after their first year in college. Hmm. Um, some youth groups say, I want to have big numbers, or I'd love to have big baptisms or salvations, and those are, those are excellent measurables. But I think the most important one is are we shooting to create disciples of Jesus that are prepared and equipped to face um, the world, not sheltering? Um, and I think the primary means of doing that, and I know it's not about this on this podcast, but trying to create ownership in students' lives. And so when my youth pastor invested in me and said, I want you to preach tonight, yeah. and um, or three weeks from now, prepare for that, it created ownership where it wasn't just the youth group I attended, but my youth group. Um, and then I invite friends to my youth group. Mm-hmm. And so that distinction is not trivial, and I think it actually is what um, what is going to set up for longevity of discipleship to Jesus when they go to college. They're going to that college group, and it's not, oh, is this a big fit for me? But they go to church, like, wow, I love this church, love the teaching, it's orthodox. How can I serve? That's the first question. You're in really, really good shape. Wow. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me, man. I think we got to go to class. We do. <laughs> it's been fantastic. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks very much for your time and really appreciate getting that. Not only just like a generic youth pastor's perspective, but my new friend Andrew's perspective. So thank you very much. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. Well, I mean, we're going to talk right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks so much to Andrew for your time. Wish we could have expanded on all those thoughts, but I love what he had to say about the priority of faithfulness over and above coolness. Um, there's a there's hope for us all. All right, so next coming Tuesday, uh, it's the beginning of a two-part series with uh, Cheryl Broderson. So make sure that you're already subscribed so that that already shows up or automatically shows up in your device. All right, I hope that this and all that we do at the Expositors Collective helps you to grow in your personal study and your public proclamation of God's Word. See you Tuesday.